And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is Matt Watson, your host today. Today is a continuation of our episodes about the top startups from Nashville. So we're, we're covering um, quite a few of them. And today we are covering Alto Solutions with Eric Satz. In our show notes, there's a link to listen to all the different episodes about the top Nashville startups. Um, before we get started, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Helping hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Eric, uh, Mr. Satz, welcome to the show. Wow, Mr. Satz, Matt, what are we? I, we should just end. We should just end now. I'm not sure there's anything for us to talk about, but thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm sorry, uh, sorry, sir. I guess I shouldn't. Oh say my that. god. <laughs> Mr. Sats and Sir, all within like a minute. <laughs> all right. Well, w- welcome to the show, and um, excited to learn all more, uh, a lot more about about your company today. And congratulations on being included in our top Nashville startups. Does, well, does that you. mean you have accomplished like all of your life dreams by being in our list? Uh, I, I mean, clearly, right? I, w- I wouldn't volunteer to to subject myself to this this much scrutiny if uh, <laughs> if I didn't feel that way. But you know, I've been in Nashville now. Um, well, I'm in my twentieth year, so I've kind of I, I I was there before it was the bachelorette capital of uh, of the country, and I expect to be there um, when it's no longer the bachelorette capital of the country. So Nashville's been Nashville's been a great place to raise a family and um and and start companies. Yeah. So tell us a little more about Alto Solutions and, and your background and um have you done some other entrepreneurial things along the way and, and kind of how you got here today? Yeah, I, I I have. You know, I think like you being an entrepreneur is a, a bit of a personality disorder. Yes. Uh, you just, you know, you just sort of can't help yourself. Um, and there are wins and losses and successes and, and failures along the way. And of course, uh, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I feel like you learn a lot more from the failures than you do the successes. Um, and the first time I really ever failed at something, I left Wall Street, I left investment banking to start a coffee bar in, in New York City, and I raised money from friends and colleagues to, to do that. And, um, long story short, I, I failed and I failed because I got, um, all three things about retail wrong. Uh, I got the location wrong. I got the location wrong and, uh, oh yeah, I got the location wrong. So, uh, all, 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 all of those things I got, I, I got wrong. So I ran back to, uh, to wall street for cover and to dig myself out of this financial hole that, um, uh, I, I had created and 
the um, the net the next company I co-founded was an online foreign currency exchange business called Currenex. Okay. And lo- long story short, um, State Street would eventually buy Currenex for uh, close to six hundred million dollars. Wow. And so that would you know so that 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 was the the flip side of the coffee bar uh, was was Currenex, and then um, I actually became. Uh, I became a venture capitalist and actually before becoming a venture capitalist, when I moved to Nashville, so I was living out in San Francisco in the Bay area when we did Kernex, I moved to Nashville. I started an online organic home delivery grocery business called Plum Good Food, um, which actually back in its day was voted like the best thing to happen in Nashville. Uh, Nashville will be, will be a running theme here, a common theme, um, but then 2008 happened and 2008 just absolutely crushed us when, uh, you know, that's when um, the, the world was blowing up financially yeah. speaking. And uh, rather than try and push a string uphill, uh, we took what funds that we had left, gave it back to investors and said, hey, maybe we'll fight, fight we'll live to fight another day. Maybe not. Um, after that started a, a VC fund. Uh, and within the VC fund was not only an investor, but also um, uh, helped create a couple more companies. And through all of that process, that actually led me to what is now Alto, okay. um, uh, oftentimes referred to as Alto IRA. And the way that came about was I was investing alongside the fund and um uh, one of those times when I was getting ready to make one of those personal investments, my IRA statement showed up and I, I had that proverbial light bulb moment of, holy shit, this is the money I should actually be using to invest in in these private companies. I can't touch this money until I retire anyway. These are long term. Uh, these are long term investments. So from a duration matching standpoint, as well as tax advantage standpoint. Mm-hmm it made perfect sense. The only problem was I didn't know if it was legal. And so I did what, you know, everybody else does. I went to Google and I typed in the search box, invest, invest retirement savings in private company. And, and Google said that was legal. So yeah, had to be true. Uh, So I called my financial advisor and I said, Hey, I'm going to invest in this next company out of my, uh, out of my IRA account. And uh, they said, fine. Uh, I said, okay, well, you know, here's the routing number and here's the company bank account number. Just send it there. And they said, no, no, you totally misunderstand me. If you want to do that, that's fine. But you can't do it here. You can't do it with us. You can't do it with this investment firm, this brokerage house. And um, so I really wanted to do this. So then I had to go figure out how to use my retirement money to invest in a private company. And that exposed me to what has um, up until now been most commonly referred to as the self-directed IRA business. Okay. And uh, it took me like 10 weeks to make that first investment. Um, And I ended up using other providers, other custodians two more times, just which was like, you know, hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. Uh, At which point I was like, I got to see if this is a big enough uh, problem to solve, or right. I just got to just not do this anymore. Um, and it turns out, with thirty plus trillion dollars sitting in 
uh, retirement accounts and, and such a small amount actually invested in, in alternative assets, which private companies are along with real estate and uh, artwork and um, other real assets, whether antique automobiles or Rolexes or Michael Jordan sneakers, whatever the case may be. Um, uh, you know, so little of that retirement money had been invested this way. It, you know, I was like, you know what, there's a big opportunity here. If we can make it as easy to invest in alternative assets with your retirement funds, sort of the same way that TurboTax made it uh, way easier for self-filers to file their own taxes, not have to use an accountant, rip out the people and paper out of a process, um, make it scalable and therefore cost effective for uh, tens of millions of, of people to be able to participate rather than, you know, call it tens of thousands. So that's that's where Alto grew out of, you know, frustration. <laughs> so when you started on this path, were there other um, other service services that provided this? Like, were there al- alternative IRA type investment vehicles? Uh, so the, the self-directed IRA industry has actually um, existed since the early 1970s when ERISA was created. What, um, what, what, what's changed with Alto is this implementation and integration of technology in a way that had, had never existed before. And the other thing that we've done is we've built this network of investment platforms that uh, enables any individual to invest in almost any alternative asset um, uh, across industry sectors, right? So for example, uh, if you're doing a deal on AngelList or you're doing a deal with Republic, Republic's a crowdfunding platform. Um, if, If you're investing in art on Masterworks or you're investing in farmland on uh, acre trader uh, or farm together, we we have created this seamless transaction execution process that allows people to easily use their retirement funds in a matter of clicks instead of ten weeks. And uh, so so recognizing that the real obstacles or hurdles to people investing this way was one access to knowledge, uh, and three, affordability, we, we felt like if we could address those, those three things, we could build a pretty big business. Um, and I should mention along the way, we also had a crypto. So we have a, a, a rather significant crypto IRA business as well. All told right now, we have uh, just under 30,000 customers and um, about 1.2 billion in in assets under custody. So, so I, I I feel like IRAs. I'm curious your opinion here are sort of an underserved market. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I have my 401k, you know, my HR department and all these people are telling me to pick what my investments are and do this and whatever, and they try and educate me a little bit about it, and I randomly pick some shit to my 401k. But once I roll it over to an IRA, kind of feel like it's a black hole. Do most people like really give much attention to what their IRAs are normally? Like they just end up becoming so, a black so hole where people dump money to. So, so Matt, I think that's part of the opportunity here, which, and that story I told about 
my IRA statement showing up and then me all of a sudden deciding that I wanted to invest in this private company with it was the fact that I totally forgot that that IRA account even existed, right? And so, you know, the thing about this world that we live in today where people are moving from company to company to company and every time they do that, they have a new opportunity to roll their existing 401k into an IRA account and 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 then invest as as they see fit. Wow, that was loud. Um, uh, so so what most people don't understand is actually there is more there, there's more money living in IRA accounts than in four hundred one k accounts. It's almost oh, wow. two to one. That yeah, makes sense, almost, right? Because we we get forced to roll them over, and they and it feels like to me they kind of almost get rolled into a black hole. That 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 that's exactly correct, and so. Um, if if we let people know that they actually have quite a bit of uh, flexibility to invest the way they want and what they want, then we can help unlock these alternative asset opportunities, which up until now have really lived behind this walled garden only right. for the high net worth, ultra high net worth individual. Because yeah. IRAs are, are, are much more self-directed, right? And so I have to log into my Charles Schwab account or whatever. And odds are all I can pick are public publicly traded options. And you're saying legally people can do it with, with private. It's just they just didn't know how or didn't even easily have access to. And probably 80% of the money is at places like Charles Schwab and there's just no access to any of it. That's, that's right. In fact, uh, most of it's at Fidelity followed just but, you know, sort of number one is Fidelity, then there's Schwab, and then there's everybody else. Right? Got it. And, yeah. and, and if what you want to do is invest in public companies and or, or mutual funds, ETFs, and by the way, we don't think those are bad things. We just don't think they're everything. Yeah. And, well, and the market's and, moving away from it, right? Like, I don't, I don't know the numbers, and you probably know the number, but it seems like there's way more money in private equity now than there is even in the public markets. Yeah, we're getting trillion dollars, trillions of dollars a year going into privates, and and that never happened before, right? And um, we talk a lot about portfolio diversification, and and in fact, it is a free investment tool. And what we know about diversification is that it's going to reduce overall portfolio volatility, and over time, increase portfolio return. But this ability to diversify, again, was really only accessible to those with alternative asset opportunities, the ultra high net worth, the high net worth individual, or the very large institution. And so by building what we have with Alta, this technology platform that enables everyone to access these asset verticals, we're giving everybody else this free tool available uh, to the wealthiest people, to those to, to the professional investor, we're basically democratizing that capability, which um, we can all now take advantage of. So I can imagine you several years ago, come up with this idea and, and, and you're figuring it out and you're doing this proof of concept of like, okay, I figured out I can do private investments with my RA, but I just couldn't do it with Fidelity. I had to go figure all this crazy shit out and I could do it. And then you're sitting here thinking to yourself, you know, I can make a business out of this. And then you're like, Holy shit. 
the legal complexity of being a custodian of all this and the legal shit I have to jump through seems like suicide. At what point did you have that moment? Because you had to have had that moment. Yeah. So, um, in fact, I wanted to to avoid finding answers to those questions for as long as I possibly could. Um, (laughs) It's like it's like the cat in Schrodinger's box. You're like, I just don't want to know. Yeah. So, but but I actually had a solution to it, and the solution was to partner with a trust company to partner with a custodian. Yes. And then, and then function as their agent and build all the systems ourselves that we were eventually going to use. Right. Uh, but the, the hard part was in finding that partner mm-hmm. and, and, um, and the hard part in finding that partner was the fact that when those people heard what we were doing, they, they could recognize that we were going to, uh, kind of disintermediate their business. And so they didn't want any part of it. Eventually, um, we got lucky, and I believe you have to get lucky along the way and uh, with with startups. Um, we found a partner who had all of the necessary uh, custodial powers we needed, but really wasn't focused on the retail investor and certainly wasn't focused on IRAs. And so we were o- able to overlay the technology that we were building uh, together with the custodial powers they had in order to launch. And then it took us about, uh, it it was two or three years or something in between there where we learned how to be a custodian along the way and to build in the compliance and all the necessary regulatory pieces. And once we knew how to do that ourselves, we then went and applied for our own trust company, which we now have and became a trust company. And then uh, eventually parted ways with uh, with the original partner, which they knew was going to happen anyway. So even today, for example, you mentioned that you do stuff with crypto. I'm going to guess you guys are not the custodian of the crypto. I would guess you have a partner like Coinbase or somebody who's actually the custodian of that part of it, right? That That's right. In fact, Coinbase is our, uh, I think, our third largest investor. And Coinbase is our custodial partner. So we, we do not yeah. custody the crypto assets. Correct. And, and, yeah, and that's that the same I part, don't want to do. <laughs> and, and that's the same thing with like, you know, potentially you have to you have to be a custodian of just dollars, right? Just regular dollars. So it's like, are we a bank now and we have to, you know, abide by everything that a bank would do? Or do we just leverage some other bank that does it for us, right? Like that's, that's the thing is like, can you build on top of it where you don't have to be the custodian of dollars that, along that, with everything else? That's, no, so that's 100% correct. And in fact, uh, I ask myself the question all the time, do I actually want to be a bank? Do I want to buy a bank? And um, so far, the answer is still no. Uh, we'll just keep our dollars um, with other people who are experts at being banks. And uh, so we part, we partner in that respect. Um, I could see I could see a day where that changes, but it, it's it's not on uh, the most recent radar screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, just imagine not not only do you have to worry about being a custodian of just dollars, but also custodian of all the publicly traded assets and crypto and all these things. Like it's like pick your battle, or do you just write? You know, are you do you write on top of all these other people? Right? Like you create value on top of them. You're not trying to replace so, what they do. No, we're not. We're not trying to replace. Um, it, you could almost 
think of us as having built an aggregator of services. Yeah. Um, with, with so the technology isn't proprietary, but the workflow is. Right. Uh, and and the workflow is the hard part, right? And and so we've enabled people to connect with all different asset categories to deliver that promise of portfolio diversification. Well, I think that's the key here for other entrepreneurs and where a lot of entrepreneurs make mistakes, right? Is they end up trying to create all these things like, oh, well, we need to be a custodian of this and we have to build a bank and we have to do this, we have to do that versus like, you know what? We're going to build on top of all these things. We're going to we're going to create all these partners. We're going to integrate all this together because trying to do the details of all these little things is suicide. But it's, it's, as entrepreneurs, that's what we do. As a soft, I'm a software guy. And as a software guy, I'm like, yeah, I could build that. And yeah, I could build that. And then like, I just build stuff. I never actually make anything work is what happens. And you just fail. <laughs> well, um, I, I, you know, as someone who has sold, uh, built and sold three different uh, companies successfully, you you understand uh, the, the challenges of... Um, well, we can say it both forwards and backwards. One is focus, right? And and not chasing every shiny new thing. Uh, and then, of course, the the other way is product creep, which you're which yes. you're fighting, right? Yep, absolutely. Which is okay. Sure, that would be great, but is it necessary? Yep. Um, and you know, I struggle with that every single day of every single week of every single month of every single year. Yeah. Yes. That's, that that, that those, those things are hard. Well, speaking of product creep, remind everybody that uh, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably, use the fullscale platform to define your technical needs, and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. I thought I also see a note in here that I needed to mention the fact that you guys are hiring software developers. Is that right? Well, isn't every fintech hiring software developers? I think I every I company in the world is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so except, I don't think that's except the U.S. government because they don't want to optimize anything; <laughs> they just want to hire more and more people and spend more and more money. But all the rest of us are trying to figure out how to optimize things and save money with technology. Yeah, that's what you it know, seems that's, like to me. Um, I, I should have been an engineer. I, I, I feel I feel like I could have had way more professional choices had I done that. It's like the, gov- the government is, uh, you know, released, uh, um, passed this big bill this, this week and uh, they're supposed to they hire 87,000 people to work at the IRS or whatever. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, how do we just automate this shit? Like we need 87,000 less, not more. Like how do we just automate the technology so I don't have to f- fill out my taxes every year? Like this is insane. Get some yeah, software developers I- and automate this shit. This is crazy. I, I actually think they should go one step further, which is to totally change change the tax law. Just rip out all the fucking crap and loopholes that are in there, and just say like, "How much did you make?" Then send me pick a number: ten percent, twelve percent, fifteen percent, eighteen percent. Like, what what really <laughs> is the average? That you know, yeah. if you look at all the income and distributions and all that stuff, what what is the average that they collect every year? So just simplify everything for everybody and just say, how much do yep. you make? Send me X. And I, I've had guys on this, uh, I had somebody on this podcast once that uh, provided a service to help high net worth individuals pay zero on their taxes. It's like, it doesn't matter how much money you make, I can I can make it zero every time. <laughs> that, that sounds like a good business. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Anyways, 
whatever the government does is there's all it's a cat and mouse game, right? But you know, back to what you do, there's a huge tax benefit to using IRAs, right? There is. So for those for those who are, are thinking about this today and, and think, hey, maybe maybe I actually could use this thing. Um, can you educate us real briefly about IRAs and the benefit of them? And the tax sure. benefit of them, and the two different types of IRAs, because nobody can ever remember the difference. Yeah, and um, I, I'm in the business; I can hardly remember the difference. But <laughs> uh, they 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 really break down into two big buckets. The first is Roth IRAs, um, and with a Roth IRA, you're contributing after-tax dollars uh, to a savings account, and as a result. Uh, so long as you wait until uh, you retire to take your distributions from the Roth IRA, no matter what happens from the time you put it in until the time you take it out, if you make awesome investments like Peter Thiel uh, famously did, investing $500,000 from, from a Roth IRA into, uh, into Facebook, turn it into a billion dollars, wow. that's all tax-free. Dang. You know, so, 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 so everything that happens in a Roth account, when you take it out, so long as you uh, meet the age requirements and distribution requirements, that, that all comes out tax-free. Uh, no capital gains, no, no income tax, no nothing. Um, the other account is uh, traditionally referred to as a traditional IRA. And um, with, with the traditional IRA, you're contributing dollars pre-tax. And then you pay tax upon distribution. So same thing uh, in terms of what happens between point A and point B, all of those capital gains, uh, tax-free. But when you then take your tax distributions at retirement age, then you're paying uh, income tax based on your, your current income levels at the, at the time. So huge, uh, you know, Einstein gets credit for this, by the way. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I, I'm not actually convinced that he said it, uh, but he referred to compound interest as the uh, eighth wonder of the world. Yep. And so, whether it's compounding interest or compounding returns, you get compounding returns in a Roth IRA and in a traditional IRA, and uh, you just can't replace that, right? You know, so if if instead every time you make a good investment and you get uh, and you exit and you have to pay taxes, it's like you're not starting over, but you're starting, you know, 30 percent lower. Right. And the easy way to check the math, of course, is uh, to just, um, you know, go ahead and multiply uh, one by one point, call it 1.08 or 1.09, and and just uh, draw that out over you know 30 years and see what number you get, and it's surprisingly significant number. So I'm looking at your website here of all the alternative investment options you have. There's a shitload of them. Yeah, there there like there are <laughs> a, a metric shitload of them, like a lot. Like you guys must have a crazy amount of uh, integrations and partners and all this stuff. I mean, I bet there's like, is there like a hundred companies on here? Are you talking about the partner companies? Uh, uh, it says like I investment I, partners. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're around 80. Wow. Yeah. 
so there, there, there are opportunities for people to invest in um, uh, all sorts of asset classes that you didn't know were possible. Yeah, I didn't know I could buy acres of farmland. You can. That's crazy. And 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 you know, Matt, that's the thing that's changed in today's world, um, uh, largely driven by technology, which is that you no longer have to have a hundred thousand dollars to to buy farmland. Right. You can you can do it with ten thousand dollars. Now you don't get your own plot of land. You get a piece sure. of a plot of land, but. You know, that's that's something hugely different that wasn't possible really just five, six, seven years ago. And so um, you can invest in real estate in a way that that you couldn't do before. Uh, and, you know, the same way now, I guess, who's doing fractional uh, fractional shares of public companies? Robinhood's probably doing it. I imagine yeah. there are others. I think just Stash, about everybody does John. now. Yeah. So but, you know. That's one of those things that was always legal and theoretically possible, but the technology wasn't there to support it. Now the technology is there, and the technology is also there to do the same thing with these alternative asset classes, uh, and, and, and that enables affordability and accessibility. So that's what we're trying to, to deliver. So I love the idea of rolling over my Charles Schwab IRA into this, by the way, and then being able to... By, I love uh, the idea of you doing that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so one question I have for you, you know, we ha you have these 80 different partners and all these different, you know, types of investments. Not that it's super important because an IRA is long term, but how is the liquidity in some of these things? So if I decide I yeah. want to do Acre Trader and, and invest in that and then like a year from now, I'm like, you know what? I'd really rather do Bitcoin instead or whatever. Do, do yeah, people so get it, locked up in these things or it, how does that work? It, depend, it, it always depends on the asset class and the asset itself. And so if you go to Acre Trader, they will show you as they're, um, uh, they're offering various investment opportunities, they're going to show you the characteristics of that particular opportunity. They may say, you know, we don't expect liquidity for th three years or five years or 12 years. Um, and that's the thing with alternative assets. You're signing yeah. up for an illiquid asset, which is why you get a premium return. Right. Right. So, so to uh, to to say it um, to say it backwards, in the public markets, there's actually a liquidity discount, which means in order to be able to just sell and take your money out at any time, you're agreeing to a lesser return. You don't know it, but you are. Okay. And so when you lock up your money and you know that it's going to be put to work and not within your control to get liquid on for some period of time, uh, you want you expect and demand a higher return for that risk that you're taking. Makes total sense to me. Yeah, I imagine the um, the, the the length of investment for these things is is all over the board and. You know, I've I've done several different startup investments myself, and um, some of them were shoot ten years ago that still are locked up. Who knows when I'll get liquidity out of them? You and me both. <laughs> and, and and several of them have blown up along the way, but uh, that that's what's fun about startup investments is I did one that is like worth twenty times what I invested in it, and yep. then did two or three that are dead, and two or three that are still alive, limping along. You know, it's just you never know. But the That's great the thing business. is, is, is being able to do this like an IRA and deferring all the taxes. So for my, my one that I did, that's up 20 X, 
you know, being able to uh, be Peter Thiel uh, would, would be great and deferring that. You know, I wonder if he if he really made a billion dollars. So does that get to a point where it's like you can take money out of your IRA, but you can only take like a small percentage every month? Like he can never <laughs> he can never draw that money back out? I wonder how that happens. No, he, he could take the whole thing. He can take the whole thing? Yeah. It's like when I turn 67, I get a billion dollar check. If he wants to. Yeah. Yep. I would want to get those, one of those big checks, like the really those, big ones. Those are the rules. Yeah, no, I think you have to join a sweepstakes to get a big check like that. <laughs> I want the big cardboard That's, check. Yeah, no, just <laughs> I, I, I think you just, you know, apply to some sweepstakes somewhere and you'll get that big cardboard check. And some, I think somebody, a couple of people bring it to your house with balloons. There we go. Um, you know, that could be fun. Yeah. So now that you guys have 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 built this, and and obviously it was uber complicated to to do this, and regulatory, and have eighty partners, and and all this stuff, are do you have a lot of competition in this space, or do you have competition only does like just crypto? Like I, I know I know you have a competitor that only does crypto because I hear their ads yeah. all the time. So, so so we really have competition in the crypto space, but but not so much competition in everything else. Okay. Um and. You're going to see some big changes in in the on the non crypto side of the business coming uh, Q4 of this year, and um, uh, so that's the fourth quarter of this year and the first quarter of next year, 2023. We have uh, some really big developments that we're rolling out that are improvements to the workflow, the user experience, the user interface. Um, as well as investment opportunities. So really looking forward to, to what we're doing um, the end of this year and early next year. And that the, those should be some, I think, really well-received uh, improvements. And the other thing I would just, I would just say is, um, look, I think crypto is an important asset. I think it's, it's, it's here to stay and um, it, it should play a role in everyone's portfolio. Uh, but that said, it's just one alternative asset. Yeah. Like the portfolio diversification is the key. So, so speaking of that, I mean, what you guys have created in some forms is, is a marketplace and a consolidation of having access to all these asset classes. What about people who would want to use a platform like yours outside of an IRA? Uh, that, that's a great question, Matt. Um, and I like the way you think. And maybe that's something you're going to see in 2023. All right. Well, we'll stay, we'll stay tuned for that. Um, I think I I could definitely see that being very useful as well. Me too. So I'd I'd like to do everything in one place. I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely feel like IRAs are a black hole and um, you guys are definitely filling a, a big void there where, where people can, you know, take and, and, be more self-directed and and that's amazing that you can get access to all these different asset classes. So thank you so much for, for solving this problem. So our, our, our great pleasure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So do you feel like the, the hardest part of this is, is behind you and, and you, you get to that stage where, you know, the company is just growing and it's, it's fun or is it still, is it still really no, hard at, and a slog every day? At, at, absolutely not. The hardest thing, the hardest parts are, are, are not behind us. So, do you have kids? I have four kids. Yeah. So, you know, the problems don't, don't 
don't uh, disappear as they get older. They just change, right? And so, um, again, as a serial founder, I'm not saying anything you don't know. Uh, going from zero to 10 is like one phase. Going from 10 to 30 is another phase. 30 to 50, yet another phase. 50 to 100, another phase. 100 to 150, another, new challenges, new problems, uh, new things to work out. You know, we're 120 people now. Um, that got to put systems in place and processes. And, you know, I, 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 I was, I was, I, I like the, you know, like the really early, uh, startup stages where everybody knows everything that's going on. And, um, so these are all new challenges. Uh, the, the problems don't go away. It's still fun. It's, uh, there's an incredible learning experience. The learning curve is steep. Um, figuring out how to get everyone involved in the way that they want to be involved and empowered to do what uh, they need to do. These are all, you know, so the problems don't disappear. You don't just, and, and, and in fact, I think at this stage that uh, they're, they're somewhat harder and more complicated, but that's the fun part. For sure. You know, as you grow a business, you hit those plateaus where you're having 50 employees, 100, 200, 300, whatever, or revenue, you know, milestones, however you want to look at it. You, yep. you definitely hit that. Like at the full scale side, we have about 300 employees now. And wow. of course we have dramatically different problems than when we had 20 employees, right? Like just, but some things like, Hey, we finally figured out how to like buy laptops. And if we have a problem <laughs> with a laptop, there's somebody that can help them fix it. Like we solved that problem a long time ago. Like that was a huge headache before, like how to acquire hardware on the other people, side of the planet. People actually, you know, entrepreneurs, just different who, problems. Who, who, who haven't been there yet. It's like, you don't think of that as a business problem, Yeah. but it, but it is a very real business problem. Um, you know, getting people their, uh, equipment yeah. and, and, and having it set up in the right way and protected in the right way. And, you know, we have, um, uh, Especially or, when you're or, buying equipment in a, in a uh, developing country that you don't just walk down the street and buy it. <laughs> no, that, that too. We haven't had to do that, but I imagine that's a whole nother, uh, yeah. especially from an info security standpoint, like get it, getting that to, uh, to work properly. But, but even something, um, you know, when you're 120 people and hackers start phishing your employees by yeah. sending them texts, pretending to be you. Yes. You have to make sure that everybody knows you're not actually going to text them and ask them to go get your dry cleaning. Yes. Right? Like I used to it, hear that all the time at my old company. It was like this yeah. running joke that everybody would get emails from me about that same sort of stuff. And it, and, yep. and everybody like always joked about how they were getting uh, you know emails to get my dry cleaning or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't send any of that shit. By the way, I don't send emails. I only send you Slack messages. So if you get a single email from me, it's junk. Like I don't send any of them. But yeah, you're absolutely and- right. It happened all the time. And, and in fact, the people who were at Alto, you know, from, from the very beginning will, will tell other people like, yeah, if there are capital letters and punctuations in there, <laughs> and by the way, if his name's included, it didn't come from him like that, you know, and if it's more yep. than like six words, it, it didn't come from him. Yep. So, yeah, those are, yeah. But when, it, when, it, when you go from 30 to 120, not everybody knows that anymore. Yeah, it was it was a wake up moment when in my first company, Ben Solutions. Like you get on the the elevator, and uh, you know you ask somebody, oh, like what? He asked me, like, oh, what floor are you going to? And I'm like, 
dude, you work for me. (laughs) 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 Like we're going the same place, right? Like, yeah. You know, when you have 20 employees, that doesn't happen. But when you get a couple hundred employees, like it's a whole different world and a whole, to your exact right, it's a whole different sets of challenges. So, I mean, what do you, what do you see as the biggest challenge for you at, at this stage? Uh, organizational structure, right? Like, so again, again, as you're growing, I, I, I'm going to try and describe it this way. At the beginning, everyone wears sort of five to 10 hats. Yes. Right. And then when you go, and I, and by the way, I, I think your first 10 employees are the 10 most important employees and they set the culture for the rest of the company from, you know, the D the DNA of the company is then imprinted. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you're growing from there. And so those first 10 employees are wearing, you know, multiple, multiple hats. When you go from 10 to 30, you're then asking people to go from, you know, five hats to just two to three hats. And then when you go from 30 to 50, you're, you're beginning to say, Hey, I want you to do just that one thing. Right. And they're like, Oh, but I used to do all of this other stuff. And it's like, I understand, but now we're, we're hiring subject matter experts like to do just that. Yeah. thing, Right. We, we, we need expertise and efficiency in in given areas. And then eventually you say, as you, especially as you go from 50 to hundred, it's like, okay, we have these functional groups. These people are all in product. These people are all in engineering. These people all do marketing. These people all do sales, et cetera. Yep. Right. And then it's, there's friction in every sort of organizational structure, by the way. And the hardest thing for us right now is trying to figure out like, is it, is it a functional org? Is it, um, uh, more of a business unit org where you have general managers and they have all their own dedicated resources, or is it a matrix, this combination of the two things and trying to figure out, uh, what's best for us and, and how we all align strategically. And, um, by the way, up until just like a few weeks ago, we never used OKRs. Right. And, and, and so now we're implementing OKRs and, and making sure that we have a waterfall of alignment uh, from top to bottom so, to figure out our strategic priorities and uh, making sure that everybody knows what those priorities are. So that if somebody else comes to you, including me, by the way, and says, oh, I need you to do this thing. You're like, yeah, that doesn't actually fit into any of the objectives or key results. So I'm not going to do that thing. Right. And it's. It, it's um, implementing focus. Right. Uh, and, and I think that really is um, the single greatest challenge for us right now. And you're, up, you're absolutely right. And as things change, all that, all that kind of stuff comes or goes or changes, you know, you, you, you hire, you, you bring somebody in new that, that brings that kind of experience and operational yes. discipline. And the, the hardest part is you mentioned earlier, like when you first start out, you need people that are kind of Swiss army knives. They can do a lot of stuff. You're like, you know, Sally helped figure out how to do compliance because we really need to figure out how to do this compliance thing. But then like two years go by and you're like, you know what? Yeah, Sally figured that out, but we have no idea how she figured it out and she didn't do it the right <laughs> way. And now we need to go hire an expert at that thing, right? And it's like to some degree you may outgrow Sally or whoever it is. It's like, we don't need Swiss Army knives anymore. Now we need people who are experts at these things. And then, and then it's well, like, well, what do we do with our Swiss Army knives that have been great employees for five years? 
Yeah, and I, I think it works both ways, right? Which is that sometimes the people outgrow the company and sometimes the company outgrows yeah. the people. Yep. Um, and I, I think what's really important is to make sure, especially for the people who helped you launch and helped you build what you have today, um, th- that, that you uh, treat them fairly. Sure. Uh, as they exit, if they have to exit. Yeah, absolutely. Taking good, taking good care of those who help to get where you're, where you're at. hundred percent. So as we wrap up the show today, I do want to remind everybody, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, full scale can help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you with fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Full Scale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullSkill.io. And I hear you're hiring developers, so if anybody's listening and uh, wants to come to work, go check out Alto. It's, it's Alto IRA. Yes, AltoIRA.com. Yes, you guys, absolutely. You guys are hiring? We are. Like Matt, everybody thank else. you for having me. Yeah, yeah. like everybody else. Yeah, but absolutely. We, we like our mission. Uh, and so hopefully folks will be attracted to that. And if you're, you're mission driven, you want to change the world, you want to make sure that people have uh, a strong financial future, we want to hear from you. Well, and you might have got a new customer out of me because my IRA at Charles Schwab is uh, sitting in a black hole. And I wish, you know, I wish I could use my son's 529A. Can you add that to your list too? No, we don't, we don't do 529s. 401k, like every, like I could use help with all these things. So maybe in the future. Keep that in mind. Absolutely. So more Focus, opportunity. Focus, Matt. Focus, Matt. <laughs> more opportunity. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, sir. All right, Appreciate it. Bye. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.